was neat. Let's take our Bibles, if you would, and go to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. We had started uh, two weeks ago, actually, because we had VBS last week, and so we did not have a normal Wednesday evening um, service due to the fact that VBS was in here. And so we, we did not have our second part to the giant of the tongue. But now it is time to, uh, to go beyond just the introduction, and uh, we're going to go into one of the, the main starting points dealing with this giant of the tongue, and uh, we'll have a, this, a little bit of a review-type setting of a couple of important notes that we made. But James chapter 3 is, is where we're basing our look here at the tongue from. And um, I'm not going to read, I have verse 1 to 18, we did that last time, but um, I, I just want to look at, uh, starting in verse number 5, and we'll go to verse number 8. The Bible says in, in James 3, starting in verse 5, it says, Even so, the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members. Not, not church members, though that can't happen. <laughs> We're talking about the members of the body, different parts of our body. The tongue is a small part of the body, yet full of fire and the ability to spread it. Uh, it goes on, it says, that it defileth the whole body and set on fire the course of nature and is set, uh, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and of bird and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Now, if we go on to verse number 9, I'm not going to, where it's where you, you see the, the statements concerning by the tongue, we bless God and we curse uh, man. And so it talks about the two-sided issue dealing with the tongue. And we mentioned how this giant of the tongue is a giant that's more, um, more of a best way to put it is he's bipolar. He has the ability to, to be... Uh, the, tongue, the tongue can be used in a good way. The tongue can be used uh, in negative ways. The tongue can uplift, and we'll look at that at a later time. Uh, the tongue can also tear down and destroy. Uh, the tongue of man can be used for good, or it can be used for, and not just, not just the word bad, honestly, um, the tongue can be used for the most appropriate word would be evil. We don't like to call some things evil because that just seems really judgmental. Well, if it's bad, it's not of God. It's got to be evil, okay? Um, the Lord may allow some things, but that which is done that is ungodly is not of God. The tongue can be used to do and say very much godly things and encouraging godly things. The tongue can be used to spew out venom and, and to speak evil things that are not of God. And so we're going to look at some of that 
tonight so we can move forward here. And let me, let me do this. I'm going to pray real fast, and then we're going to jump in to, uh, to what it is we need to see concerning the tongue uh, this evening. Heavenly Father, we need your help. We pray that you, Lord, would teach us and show us as we look at your word, as we look at this, this struggle that man has. Every single one of us at times has this struggle with the words we say. Lord, the way we use our tongue, whether it's an uplifting, edifying thing, or it's a tearing down and spreading of things that shouldn't be said. Lord, we all have a tendency to have that struggle, and I pray that you would show us and teach us how to recognize the dangers and how also, Lord, to fight against the tendency to speak that which should not be spoken. Lord, may you teach us through your help to have control over what we say and how we use this tongue. And we ask it all in Christ's name. Amen. We looked at several um, statements made by other people, several quotes. One of them was by Frank uh, Sonnenberg. He said, it's better to bite your tongue than to eat your words. That's not bad advice. Um, we talked about how the tongue can be used for good and it can be used for evil. We gave many verses. We're not going to go back over that. But we do know that this giant, this struggle in our life can be quite dangerous. And the Word of God warns us, we mentioned last time on several occasions, as to just how uh, dangerous and how hurtful the tongue can be. Proverbs 26, 28 says, A lying tongue hateth those that are affected by it, and a flattering mouth worketh ruin. And that, that in, in no way can be taken in a positive light. But we have to remember, ultimately, and this would help us, that nothing escapes God. Nothing escapes his knowledge of what it is that we, by the way, not just what we say, we think as well, as long as you don't let out my mouth, God won't know. <laughs> no, he already has an idea of what you thought. Um, every idle word, the Bible says, uh, is Christ himself said that in Matthew chapter 12, verse number 36, he said, but I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. So we had to be very careful. We say, well, it, it, not that I really meant anything by it. Well, then you shouldn't have said it. It's an idle word. It's an empty, it's an empty word, but had a, a lot of hurt to go along with it. Well, it's not really what I meant to say. Well, it's not really how I really feel. It's, well, it's not how you feel. Then don't say you feel that way. Um, we had to be very careful in using words that are inappropriate or, matter of fact, maybe very appropriate for how we feel, but um, it's not very godly. And so we just need to keep them to ourselves. By the way, once you let something out, it can't be taken back in. Once you take, I remember uh, my wife has taught children this before, and uh, you can take a tube of toothpaste, and uh, you can take that toothpaste, and you give them, they, they love it. Of course, just don't do the big tubes, do the little small ones. Um, but you can take toothpaste, give every one of the kids a thing of toothpaste, and try to figure out what, what we're going to do, brush our teeth. Uh, but you take that toothpaste, 
and then it comes time, and you tell them, okay, I'll take the cap off, and take the cap off. And uh, you say, okay, now here's what I want you to do. You have everything covered, so it's nice and clean. I want you to just squeeze everything out. Just as much, just squeeze it all out, just get it all out. Now, that's a pretty enticing thing to tell a kid. Yeah, you got a bigger one? That'd be fun. Right on the neighbor and everything else. Okay. But you get them to, and they, they, that boy, they'll do that in a heartbeat. But squeeze it all out, get it all, get it all over the place. Get it all out, get it out, every little drop. And then once they do that, and you say, okay, now, next game. First one to get it all back in. What? Now, some of them might be dumb enough to actually try, but you can't put it back. You can't get it all back. Even if you were able to shove some of it, you know, piece at a time, piece at a time, piece at a time, and shove it back in there, you're never going to get all of it back in the tube. The same thing when it comes to our words. When we, when we speak, when we say something, once it has been released, though you can take it back, you can never take back its full effect. You can never take back its ability to bring consequences. You can say you're sorry, you can convince somebody you're sorry, but the damage that was done, the hurt that was caused is still very real and is still capable of being seen at any given moment because it might be five, six, seven years down the road, but something pops up. Satan loves to use that kind of stuff. Things that people thought that, you know, I know that person was sorry and I know I forgave them, but for some reason, man, that's been, that's been years ago. For some reason, that just bothers me all of a sudden. It's over with. It's done with. It bothered Why is that? Because once it was done, once it was said, even though it might have been taken care of, Satan loves to take those issues and allow consequences to peak up every now and then and have to be dealt with all over again. However, if we could actually strap down, contain, and, 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 and restrict what we say and what we let come out of our mouth, we can reduce the amount of things we have to live with later. But the Bible tells us, Proverbs 21, 23, whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. Very powerful verse there. Let's look at the first thing here. Now, I'll give you this first one. We got, we got four different things that we're gonna look at over time. And, um, and that is the, the problem, that's what it is. No, the problematic misuse of the tongue. We're going to look at the potential blessing of the tongue, the potent influences to the tongue, and the powerful comparison that we find. We'll go to Proverbs chapter 12 and maybe a couple other places where we see some comparisons uh, in those who use their tongue differently and what the Bible says uh, in those comparisons. But we've got to start off tonight with the problematic misuse of the tongue. An unknown author said this, who cares for your beauty if your tongue is ugly? And that's a powerful statement. There are so many ways in which we all can misuse our ability to speak. And by the way, you can highlight this idea, just because we can speak doesn't mean we should. Well, I can say it, okay, but do you need to? Well, I have the right. Number one, that's debatable. Number two, have the right, and is it wise to do it anyways, are two different things. 
Well, it's a free country. Yeah, it is. But you also get the freedom to live with the consequences. So we have to understand, just because we can speak doesn't mean we should speak. The Bible clearly defines what God thinks of the misuse of our tongue in many different passages, and so we're going to highlight a few of these major areas. Number one, tail-bearing. This would also be labeled as gossip. Leviticus, I'm just going to throw out a lot of verses. You might just want to write down the references. Leviticus 19.16 says this, Thou shalt not go up and down as a tail-bearer among thy people. Neither shalt thou stand against the blood of thy neighbor. I am the Lord. Here's the rules, the regulations, the guidelines God was given his people. And he said, thou shalt not go up and down as a tailbearer. What does that mean? Stop walking the streets, going to everybody's house, telling them, oh, hey, psh, by the way, did you hear this? Did you hear that? Of course, that's back before they had phones. Now you don't have to worry about it. Now you can just call somebody. Oh, sorry, I forgot. No, Facebook, you can use social media. Now you can just spread it through social media. You don't have to get out of your chair. Used to be you had to get out of your chair to go to the phone to talk to somebody. And then, of course, they had a switchboard and somebody else listened in and they heard it too. Which for a gossiper, they don't care. The more people that hear it, the better. Matter of fact, most times the gossipers were the ones working the switchboard because they heard all the news. Did y'all ever, y'all ever watch the Waldens or uh, um, um, Little House on the Prairie? All the different, every single one of them, the ones that worked the switchboards were the gossips, all right? But the tail-bearing, God said he's not supposed to do that. Going up and down, talking to everybody, telling everybody everybody else's information. By the way, without fail, a gossiper only has normally about 50% of the truth. Because they're too eager to go tell somebody what they just heard, they don't stick around the conversation long enough to hear the full story. Which, of course, that just spreads a lot of stuff. Or they do know the full story, but yet sometimes it's just too boring. they got to indulge a little bit to make it more interesting. The gossiper is oftentimes a good storyteller, and that's all they do is just tell stories. Unfortunately, the stories they tell hurt people and destroy lives. Tailbearing or gossiping is an extremely dangerous area of misuse with the tongue. Proverbs 17, 9 says this, he that covereth a transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth a matter separateth very friends. What is that repeating a matter? It, it doesn't mean that you're trying to cover up sin. It means it's been settled, it's been done, it's between you and me. Nobody else needs to know about this. It's done. Cover it over, be, be done with it. It doesn't need to be mentioned again. But, go, but he that repeateth a matter Got to go around and tell this person and that person and that person and that person. Did you hear what that person did to me? Did you hear what they said to me? Did you hear what? It's over with. But to go and repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. Be a tail bearer, separateth very friends. In other words, the closest of friends can be divided because of a gossiper. Proverbs twenty nineteen, he that goeth about as a tail bearer revealeth secrets. Therefore, meddle not with him that flattereth with his lips. Boy, yakety, 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 yakety. Those that talk, 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 talk. Oh, did you hear about? Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. Metal not. Metal not. Because here's the thing. 
while you listen about other people's problems, you will somehow, some way, reveal something that they, they want to know about you too. Oh no, I'll never, I'll just hear it, but I won't tell it. No, trust me, they're masters at it. They are extracting information from you while they're giving you information about other people. And eventually, the next phone call they make, you're part of the lineup. It's what happens. Meddle not with a tarot bearer that revealeth secrets. <laughs> Proverbs 18.8, the words of a tarot bearer are as wounds. And they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. In other words, the kind of wounds that a gossiper can inflict on, on other individuals can cut so deep, it can literally make you sick. You go to the innermo- innermost parts of the belly. First Timothy 5.13. And with all, this is talking about, this right here is talking about some widows in the church at Tim, during, during Paul's time. He's teaching Timothy. It says, and with, and with all, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also and busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. Well, he was really soft and kind and gentle on that, wasn't he? No, he was very direct. The tattlers and busybodies going from house to house, gathering and sharing information that they should just keep their mouth shut on. Matter of fact, they should just stay out of it altogether. And he goes on in that, I'm not going to continue, but he goes on to warn to stay away from and stop that. Uh, Proverbs 26.20 says, Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no talebearer, the strife ceaseth. When gossip stops, all the strife and all the stress and all the people getting worried about other people and everything, all that just stops. Matter of fact, the peace of God can be known when gossiping stops. Because you take the wood out of the fire and the fire can't survive. Here's another one. I got to move quickly. But I got to be careful because some of these are really, we got to know about them. Backbiting. Backbiting would be underneath the, the understanding of what slander is. It's lying, basically, for the gain of personal advancement. Lying toward, concerning others' character to gain for personal advancement. That's the backbiting, the slandering. Uh, there's another author unknown said this, The tongue has no bones but is strong enough to break a heart. So be careful with your words. Numbers 14, 36 and 37 says this, And the men which Moses sent to search the land, who returned and made all the congregation to murmur against him. Against who? Against Moses. By bringing up a slander upon the land. Even those men. Now, now here's the thing. They came back, you know, Twelve men went to spy on Cain, and ten were bad, and two were good. You know that song? Okay. The ten that came back, they used slander and lies concerning what Moses was about to take them into in order to turn the heart of the people away from Moses. They lied and slandered Moses as a leader, and they lied and slandered what he was taking them towards at God's command. 
And in the end, look what the Bible says, verse 37, even those men that did bring up the evil report upon the land died by the plague before the Lord. God doesn't take the misuse of our ability to speak that he gives us. He does not take it lightly, especially when it goes against his plan and his will and his people. Proverbs 25, 23. The north wind driveth away rain, so doth an angry countenance a backbiting tongue. Now, that, that right there, if you're, not, if you're not understanding where the scripture is coming from, you miss it. This is dealing with how to deal with someone who comes to you with backbiting information. Just like the north wind drives away the rain, when someone comes to us with information about somebody, and and let me tell you about that person. By the way, you get the hint that there's going to be a little slander going on. You get a feeling that there's, there's some animosity coming from this person. You get a feeling that, honestly, this conversation is heading in a direction where I'm not so sure I can believe every word I'm hearing. The Bible says that an angry countenance can stop a backbiting tongue. What that simply means is don't give ear to the person wanting to speak backbiting slander. As soon as they want to speak and open their mouth, you look at them and say, no, I ain't hearing it. I ain't putting up with it. You might be telling some truth. You might be telling a lot of lies. All I know is I'm not comfortable with what you're saying. I'm not going to hear it. You can keep walking. Now, when you get, when you get, you don't have to be super ugly, but some some people just want to keep I mean, they just want to keep pushing and prodding to see what they can convince you of. But when you get a point where you say, I am not listening to it, that or, I tell, tell you what, before you do this, you and me are going to go and let's go meet with that person you want to talk about. You know what happens then? I go to find somebody else that actually listen to me without making me have to prove I'm right. The backbiter, the slanderer, only wants to advance themselves through selfish means by tearing down others and typically might have a little seed of truth, but it's twisted, it's, it, it, it's, it's uh, reshaped and remolded, and it's made into something that is actually not true. By the way, it sounds a lot like what Satan does on a regular basis. The Bible says an angry countenance will stop the backbiting tongue. Don't give ear to the backbiter. Don't show favor in listening. Let them know where you stand and tell them take a hike. They won't stick around very long because they know they can't get very far with you. Another individual, I'm not sure who it was, said this, a human slips more by his tongue than by his foot. It's important we don't allow somebody else's slipping around and sliding around on slippery surfaces to affect our life as well. We must also, as we go through this, and flip over, there we go. Got my other notes over here. Also look at, in this whole area, you've got to look at Psalm 15. Psalm 15, 1 and 3 says, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? 
He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart, he that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor. We're talking about abiding and living in the presence of God. Who's going to have that ability to truly be a godly person? It ain't going to be the one who backbites. ain't going to be the one that seeks to do evil to his neighbor. And by the way, it could even be a church family member. You got to watch out. Don't give ear. Proverbs 10, 18 says this. He that hideth hatred with lying lips and he that uttereth a slander is a fool. Ouch. That's the backbiting. Here's one more. And it's the last one. I know it's a little bit later, but I got to finish this. Here's the last one dealing with the misuses. And this is probably the most dangerous because God takes this very, very, very serious. Sowing discord. This is creating conflict and strife within the family of God. There's a French, again, it doesn't say who, but it's it's just called a French proverb. I use it because I, I think it's a good way to put it. It says, he who sows the seed of discord works in the devil's barn. You say, but they're Christians. If they're sowing the seed of discord amongst the brethren, it's wickedness. By the way, if they're sowing seeds, we're not talking about somebody who blatantly in front of everyone, when you're sowing seeds, you're just, hey, did you hear about, hey, what do you think about this? Hey, do you know, I I just don't, I don't know about all this over here. Sowing seeds, sowing seeds. Not necessarily looking for an immediate harvest, just sowing seeds, sowing seeds, sowing seeds, and then sit back and see what happens. It's evil. It's wicked. And God has something to say about it. Proverbs, take your Bible very quickly. Go to Proverbs 6. Proverbs 6. Now, this is the the super negative side of this giant. And so many people, right now, boy, in our day and age, you see this kind of stuff happening more than I've ever seen it in my entire lifetime. And even talking with my dad, his lifetime, it is more rampant today. And not just, especially in the church, but not just the church, society itself. I mean, it's going nuts over these, these type of misuses we're talking about tonight with the tongue. But in Proverbs chapter six, verse number 12 down to verse number 19. Listen to what the Bible says here. A lot of, I know it's several verses, but man, it ought to make us nervous concerning the importance of this. A naughty person, I just find that interesting. That's kind of a, a neat way, a naughty person, you naughty boy or girl. A naughty person, now watch, next step, a wicked man walketh with a froward mouth. That froward mouth, that froward word, that means presumptuous, pushing, sowing, constantly trying to interject stuff into other lives, that frowardness. 
And so, got to find my place again. Where we're with 12, yeah. Walketh with a froward mouth. Everywhere he goes, he's constantly pushing and interjecting, trying to push wicked thoughts and wicked words. He winketh, verse number 13, he winketh with his eyes. He speaketh with his feet. By the way, where we go says a lot about us. Who we pal around with says a lot about us. Who we huddle close to says a lot about us. People don't always have to hear the words spoken. They can see the crowd we hang with, and it says a lot. Speaketh with his feet. He teacheth with his fingers. Frowardness is in his heart. He deviseth mischief continually. He soweth discord. Therefore shall his calamity come suddenly. Suddenly shall he be broken without remedy. By the way, those who sow discord don't get away with it. It catches up. Then it goes on to verse number 16. These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination. So that gives you a key right there. Six things the Lord hates. The seventh would be considered an abomination to God. Verse number 17. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies. That's six right there. So what's number seven? And he that soweth discord among brethren. Sowing discord is not just what God hates. Sowing discord is an absolute abomination. Same word, same vehement description as God uses for homosexuality. Sowing discord among brethren is an abomination to God. Romans 16 and verse number 17 and 18, we're going to stop right here, says this, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which, which ye have learned, and avoid them. Well, that's pretty strong language. Mark them and avoid them. It doesn't say be ugly to them. It says mark them and avoid them. Why? Know who they are and don't hang out with them or give ear to their grumblings and their words that they try to plant seeds of dissension, seeds of discord and discontent in the hearts and lives of other people. If they speak, walk away or tell them be quiet. Mark them and avoid them. And may I say it this way? Lest you become like them. That's the whole point. So it goes and it says, Mark, um, mark the image cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. Verse number 18, for they that are such, for they that are such, serve not our Lord Jesus Christ. So you cannot be sowing discord. Now this is blanket statement. You cannot be sowing discord with God's people against the work of God, the man of God, other people of God. You cannot sow discord 
and be serving the Lord. But it tells us what they serve. They don't serve the Lord Jesus Christ, but, they, but their own belly. And by good words and fair speeches, deceive the hearts of the simple. Ouch. Now, that's the negative. I like getting it out of the way because that's easy for me. And then we can deal with the positive because we don't want to end on a sour note. But the tongue, the giant of the tongue can be so dangerous. And when we allow this giant, whether, whether it's through the tail-bearing, the gossiping, the backbiting, or the slander, the letting lies be the way we operate, or sowing discord, just planting seeds to cause conflict and strife in God's house and God's work and God's will for his people. God doesn't take it lightly. And this giant can be very deadly to a child of God and to a ministry. If the tongue through the leading and help of the Holy Spirit is not controlled, it will destroy everything it lays its words on. We must be very, very careful not to allow the misuses that are extremely problematic for you and me. We must not allow these misuses to either be used by us or to be heard or listened to by these ears that God gave us. You hear it, you shut it off. Lest your mind starts thinking and next thing you know, that which you listen to and that which you hang around and that which you surround yourself with becomes that which you start thinking and doing yourself. And it happens faster than we know. And most of the time, the blind ones are the ones who are doing it because they don't even know what they're doing any longer. The one who starts it, the, the real man of mischief, the real person of mischief, knows what he's doing and he's trying to cause it. Those who are simple ones, their hearts become deceived and become blind to the effects it's had on their life. You give ear, it'll affect you. Walk away or shut it down. By the way, it'll always, and this is it, I'll stop right here. There is one surefire way, and I've already mentioned it once, but it's one surefire way to stop, to stop anyone who is, who is backbiting, who is tail-bearing, who is trying to sow discord. There's one surefire way, and that is the moment they begin to open their mouth, you'll know who it is they're targeting what ministry they're targeting, what area of the church they might be targeting, or life, a family member, whatever. Every time they start, you stop them and say, hold, hold, hold on, we're missing a third party here. Let's go and talk. Let, we're, me, you, and the person that you want to talk about, we're going to get together and let's, let's go talk together. The coward will run. Now, they might get a little defensive and start, and start throwing a fit over it too, but the coward will always run because they don't want to talk with the person they're talking about. They want to talk to somebody who wants to hear what they have to say with the other person not present. That's cowardly. Why are they coming to other people? Because they don't have the courage to go to the person they seem to have a problem with. Which way does the Bible say to do it? If you've got a problem with a brother, you go to the brother. 
If he won't hear you, you go get somebody to help you go to the brother. If he won't hear, you try to get a couple more. And if he still won't hear you, you bring it before the church to get the church to help. What do people do? They get a problem. They get a burr in their saddle. They gather a crew around them that will agree, and then they all start sharing with people that they want to see. Let's fill them out. Let's fill them out. Let's fill them out. Let's see who will agree with us. Mm -hmm. That's the backbiting, tail-bearing, and ultimately that kind of stuff comes down to um, that, that is the sowing seeds of discord. God will not take it lightly. Best thing we can do is to stop our ears or tell them, you know what, we're gonna go talk to them. If we're not gonna talk to them, you better get out of here. I'm not gonna hear it. Very important, very important in this day and age it's destroying homes, it's destroying friendships, it's destroying communities, it's destroying the church. Time that we put some earplugs in and stop listening to all the tail-bearing, all the backbiting, and all the seeds of discord. Start listening to God, start loving one another, start helping one another and serve the Lord and get something done in the time we have left. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much again for what we've looked at. Pray that you'd help us with this truth.